0: I have talked about it and talked about it. There's been many sermons and books written on prayer and with good cause, too, because prayer is like a master key. It unlocks the promises of God, right? It unlocks the mysteries of God. It unlocks the power of God. We should be praying, right? So we have to talk once more about prayer. We can't even get out of chapter one in Mark and Jesus is already praying. So I have to stop at some point and say, let's take notice, right? I can't think of anything else that would be greater to talk about anyway. Prayer is like the highest form of obedience. It's like this daily recognition that you need God, or even more so, maybe that your heart desires God. So this morning, we're going to read from Mark chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 35, right? And that's where we'll begin. Just a few verses. Say amen when you're there. All right. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well. And I will preach to them, too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So right before this, before we even get to this little section right here, Peter is spending time, with, or not Peter. Jesus is spending time with Peter. He's there with his mother-in-law. Remember, he's healed the he's healed Peter's mother-in-law. There is all of a sudden that the word gets out that he's healed Peter's mother-in-law. So they, the sick people and the demon-possessed people, they're bringing them all, uh, and they're all coming to Jesus to be healed or to be set free. And it says that Jesus is healing them and setting them free. Right? He spent more. time. Time in that moment on the needs of others than the need of himself at that moment. He doesn't have a time to breathe because he's too busy trying to meet the needs of everyone else. And think about how the multitude would swarm him. I mean, come on, he's the only doctor in town, amen. He's the only one that can heal you, he's the only one that can set you free. If you've got a buddy that you've been praying for and it couldn't get done, but you heard about him being here and him setting people free, you brought him. So you can just imagine how many people would have surrounded him. It would have just been exhausting, right? Still, the next scripture here, the one we just approached, says before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. He went to an isolated place to pray. Now, I I say that because it didn't matter that he could have been exhausted by all these people. Uh, For Jesus, there was no exception. He got up early. Before the sun had come up, Jesus was up and he was praying. To me, the bigger miracle is how he did it without coffee. That's why I'm still trying to figure out myself, but... Jesus got up to pray while we see uh, that through the exhaustion Jesus pressed into prayer and we see he prayed in the morning now listen I could totally go in here and I could like beat the drum of how you should be praying every morning you saw but listen that's that's one scripture one scripture is not enough to make a doctrine over guys so we don't ever look at one scripture and go I'm going to build my whole life around that one scripture that's dumb that's not smart we need to see consistencies. We need to see things in Scripture. We need to see multiple places, right? So, does that mean every morning we pray? Well, wait a minute. Does he pray every morning? That's the question we should ask ourselves. These are things we have to look into. We need to look at how Jesus prayed and what Jesus prayed. And and we need to find our focus that way. So if we turn to Matthew, and you don't have to turn there, or maybe into Luke, uh, the Bible records uh, multiple times that Jesus did pray. uh, A lot of times walking towards isolation to pray. Matthew 14, 23 says, After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Uh, Luke 6.12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples. So from Mark's account of praying in the morning to Matthew uh, and Luke's account of praying in the evening, I think this is proof that there's no, like, wrong time to pray. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to pray in the evening. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm going to pray in the morning. Yeah. Good job. Because there's not a wrong time. There's not, like, a right time Okay. And, and the, the, I think really what it shows us, the key is knowing when to pray. Like, when do you need it? Like, yeah, well, I need it every day. Well, then good. Pray every day. Right. When do you need to hear from the Lord? When, when have you reached a point where you need to listen? Jesus constantly affirmed that he did only what he saw the father do and said only what the father told him to say. Well, if that's the case, then maybe prayer is knowing uh, about knowing when you need to hear or gain vision or insight from the father. I mean, when do you need it? Do you have a pressing decision based upon your life right now? Is there questions that need to be answered in your life? Well, then seek the Father. Now is the time to pray, right? You've reached a place. I don't know what I'm going to do. Pray. Perfect. This is the time to hear from God, get a vision or a word from God. You need it. So stop what you're doing and pray. Now, we're not told how long Jesus prayed. Maybe that's for good reason, too. We don't know exact amount. My guess, knowing human nature, is that if we knew the length of his prayer time, we would throw that into a formula and probably just build a platform off of it. If, I, if the Bible told us that Jesus prayed two hours every morning, we would say pray only two hours every morning. Don't pray any longer than that because that's all Jesus prayed. We would do that. Be, it would be like a formula. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's not awkward. Yeah. Yeah. That dude was deer caught in a headlight right there, man. Straight up, he just backed it up, backing on up, just backing on up, right? Yeah, how do you, you just follow that up, right? So we don't, we don't have a formula. There's like, there's a couple of different things going on every time Jesus is praying. And it's different. Like he's praying in the morning one time, we don't told how long he prays in the evening. We told all night, but how long is technically all night from dark to dark? I mean, we're we're not given a certain amount of time. There's nothing. By the way, it makes sure there's nothing for us to tie a legalistic representation of what prayer is, right? All that we know is that there's this mystery cloaked in how Jesus prays. I mean, but isn't to me like, isn't that what intimacy often is, private? Right? We close the door and intimacy takes place between us and the Lord. That's not for anybody's eyes. It's not for anybody's eyes. It's personal. It's private. It's a time of confession. And honestly, our time of prayer is a place where we, can, where we can not be anything else but our real selves. That means you don't get to be in prayer the person you hope you are, not the person you think you are, and not the person that you present to everybody else. God knows you. One of the things Brendan Manon always said that I loved, he said about the imposter, he calls the false you or the fake you, you know, the you that you share to everyone else, but you keep the secret you inside. He says, God doesn't know the fake you. So if you come with a fake you prayer, yeah, that's not going to work for God because he doesn't know that person. He didn't create that person. That little secret person that's hiding inside that feels ashamed and guilty at times, that's the one God knows. God's waiting for that one. God is waiting for that one. Another thing to note is that sometimes the length of Jesus' prayer is determined by the task at hand. To function as a healer or miracle worker, we're not given uh, uh, as to the length of his prayer time. In the beginning of his ministry, it seems that his prayer was deliberate, but we're not given the impression that it was real lengthy. Nowhere does it say like he's, I mean, like when in the beginning, if you take the first couple of chapters and he's praying there, he prays for a little while that we see. Oh, well, he went up and he prays in the morning a little bit. I mean, and then he's ready. He was ready to go tackle the rest of the day. I'm ready to go preach and heal and do all these things. It didn't take a long prayer, per se. We don't know exactly how long or how short, but it wasn't all night. Yet as his ministry moved on, he definitely needed more prayer. We assume it's a few hours, but it's not until he's in full ministry that the implication is that he prays all night. The astonishing thing is even though he would pray all night, he was always ready to conquer the next day. You ever think about that? I'm gonna tell you what I went to camping at 2:30. I could kill some kids. <laughs> I lo- I mean, like at two o'clock, I had to tell one of the our neighboring sides, like you got to knock it off, man. Like you got to knock it off. And 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 uh, the funny thing is, is I, whether it's I've reached that age where I'm just like I look like older, like you should listen and respect me, kind of thing now, or whether I just put out the fear of the Marine Corps thing through me or whatever it is. But when I say shut up now to kids, they shut up. I've reached that stature, I think, in life. I'm not sure. It's pretty powerful to wield that. Uh, but the thing is, Jesus stayed and he prayed all night. And then we we're like, hey, man, we're ready to go. And he's like, yeah, I'm ready. And no complaining. There's no talking about, man, I had to pray all night, man, just to get. Yeah, man, we don't hear that from Jesus at all. M- matter of fact, it would imply that in the power of prayer is the ability to refresh and replenish. So you're like, man, I don't got time to pray. I'm tired. Uh, pray because I mean, biblical evidence shows that Jesus prayed all night and tackled the whole day next day, healing people and creating miracles and had the power of God in him. Uh, what's your complaint again? Right? I mean, it, it it's biblical at this point. So many of us are trying to schedule a time of prayer and it be a ritual, but I think we might feel that if we are faithful on a daily basis to pray that our, faith, our faithfulness uh, to the work of prayer will somehow equal the rewards of prayer. And that's a misnomer. I, listen, Paul makes references, man, of praying daily. And I think we should. But nowhere does it say, man, if I'm not praying two hours every day or three hours every day in the Bible that I'm somehow unholy or unright, what I will say to you is this. Only you can know you and i do know that this prayer aligns you with the heart of god and it doesn't take much to not be in the heart of god how god wants things and how god wants to do things we if the reason jesus said if you don't pick up your cross daily Daily, Which, by the way, I think the way you crucify yourself is in prayer. Because, like, the one thing your body doesn't want to do half the time is pray. That's, I've said it over and over again. I still believe that the first 15 minutes in prayer, come on, you know that time when you're making a laundry list of everything you got to do that day, but you're not really talking to God, and somehow you think, like, you're like, you're like talking shop talk to God. You know, where it's in the beginning, it's like, man, I've got all this stuff to do, God. Yeah, man, you know, my day-to-day is this, and da-da-da-da. It's like your flesh is dying right there. Because the whole time you have to realize all you're talking about in your first 15 minutes or or 10 minutes of prayer is you. How selfish does that sound? All you can talk about is how more important your life is than being in that moment with him. That's your first 10 minutes of prayer. It's mine. Let's just do it this way. That's my first 10, 15 minutes of prayer. And then about 20 minutes in, it's like I have a breakthrough. I finally nailed the last nail on the hands and my heart starts to break for the things that break God. I have a tendency uh, uh, when I pray often to... Uh, I like, I'll feel like I've reached the place where I'm with God when I start to cry. And usually I'm crying because the overwhelming, uh, part, of, uh, the overwhelming part of understanding my sin is before me. I've reached the place where I'm, I feel very guilty uh, and very shamed for um, <laughs> presenting God all my things that are more important than me praying right now. <laughs> And by that time, I'm hurting so bad, I'm like, I know what I need to do. And at that point, that's when I start to pray. But here's one thing for sure. There's nowhere that says that we have to be like on top of this huge prayer thing. Listen, man, uh, the biggest thing we can do here, yes, it's good to pray daily, but pray honestly and genuine. We see that in Jesus' prayer. We can't be about the Lord's business as if it's a religion. You can't be about it as if it's just like, well, I'm going to get up today, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, this is what I'm going to do every day, this is part of my schedule, just like everything else is part of my schedule. That can't be how you don't get to just clock Jesus in like he's just something else on your schedule. That's not how that works. That's religion. It doesn't work. You can't go to the altar of prayers if it's part of your routine. I mean, come on, why are you there? Are you there because you desperately want to speak to your best friend and father? I mean, I hope so. To approach God in prayer is to stand before him completely naked. Your heart is fully exposed. The things you don't want him to see, he sees. I guarantee you, he sees. Right? If this is the case, then any time we approach him, it should be in reverence. But listen, it also should be in joy after one. The one who identifies himself as Abba, which is to say Father, is the one to whom you're approaching. He's a good father. He is the creator, which means that he breathes life into us and into our future. You want to know what tomorrow holds? Go ask him, because he holds it. He holds tomorrow, so go ask him. What's to say he'll tell you? What's to say he won't? You can't know unless you ask. You know, one of the things that that I learned in sales was that very premise. All I can do is say no. I'll just go ask. All I can do is say no. You ever thought about that? I'm just going to go ask God this. Well, man, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. I don't care if it seems right. I'm just going to go ask him. He'll tell me if it's not right. You know, the great thing about God is that he's not condemning, right? God's not the guilt tripper. No, you do that to yourself. He doesn't have to do that. Our prayer life should not only refresh and replenish us, but it should also encourage others to pray. The prayer life of Jesus was so inspiring that it caused the disciples to take notice. When having the opportunity to ask him about his ministry, they could have asked him anything. They could have asked him, man, I want to know how you heal people. I want to know, how did you cast that devil out? Did you say something like, is there an incantation? Can I just say these words and it's going to happen, you know? No. They could have asked him anything. But they didn't. They simply asked him how he prays. How he prays. They had the opportunity to ask him, and that's what they asked. They could see that the power of his ministry was directly related to the power of his life. It was directly related to his prayer life, right? Jesus modeled this in front of the disciples. Luke 22, 39 through 41. Then accompanied by the disciples, they're with him now. It says, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual... Again, now we see that prayer is a common place in Jesus' walk. He's praying a lot, as usual, up to the Mount of Olives. So he finds him a place that's isolated from people. This time he took the disciples with him. It says there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. So he says, listen, pray. Get down and pray right now that temptation will not take you. And then it says he walked about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. So within view... You can see how I pray. You can see me praying. I can see you praying. So there's accountability between the master or the father and the son kind of thing. And and he could see there's there's this accountability there. Right? He didn't walk away far. He stayed close where he could see them, where he could hear them. They had come to realize that prayer and the power of God were intimately connected. Leonard Ravenhill once stated that he didn't care how big a ministry or how great a congregation that a preacher had. He used to say that no man is greater than his prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life, and I agree. Contrast this with the current church situation today, and I'll leave any assumptions that you might have about our current conditions to our churches. If no man is greater than his prayer life and Christianity is declining, I'll let you make the assumptions of what's lacking in the church today. Listen, I don't have to beat that drum. You can come to your own conclusions, but maybe before you pick up the drumsticks, maybe we'll just look in the mirror today and ask ourselves, does our prayer life match the results of our life? Are we experiencing the power of prayer in our lives? Are we seeing people healed? Are we seeing people set free from depression, from sickness, from homosexuality, from all sorts of sin? Are we seeing those things? Are we modeling and passing down our prayer life? Come on, as parents, isn't it our responsibility towards our kids? They need to see us pray. They need to hear us pray. Right? As Christians, isn't it our responsibility towards new believers to do the same? They need to see it. So how do you pray? I mean, have you ever asked yourself that? How do, how do you pray? How do you do it? How are you going to pass that down? Uh, is there a certain way that you pray? Listen, I don't think there's any wrong way. I'm going to show you today the way I pray. Uh, and, and i tell you what. Here's m- my example. These, these are the, This is how I pray. And this might not be how you pray, and that's okay. But I'm going to give you my example so you can see and me model that before you. This is how I pray pray. First of all, I find a quiet place where I can be alone. Sure, corporate prayer, praying with others will take place in the Christian walk, maybe more than private prayer, but private prayer is the key to being refreshed and replenished. It will also give you confidence. Through the Holy Spirit in your public prayer life, Jesus often sought to be alone, which should be a hint to you that you should often seek to be alone. Look, there were times where he went by himself, and they're like, they had to come looking for him. But there were also times he dragged them up the hill and says, come with me. There has to be times, guys, where we go it alone into our prayer closet. Nobody sees that. But there also has to be times where the next generation, the next Christian believer has to see you pray. Maybe a time where you grab them on up and tell them, man, come on. You need to experience that. So I always find a quiet place. For me, my wife prays here at like 5 in the morning with a few ladies. On Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, which gives me an awesome time in the mornings by myself at the house. So I get up and I have myself at home. It's quiet then. My kids don't wake up, especially during the summer, till about 11. Right? <clears throat> it's a little harder uh, when school starts, you know. Uh, when, I, when I had a full-time ministry job, it was easy because I had a really big conviction about not praying during 8 to 5 because I felt like if I received a check, I don't get paid to pray. As a pastor, I don't get paid to pray. That's not how that works. Well, he gets paid to pray. No, I don't. And pastors that do, I listen, they have to answer to God. I prayed before I, I prayed early in the morning before 8 o'clock. I'd get there usually about 630 because nobody's there. The whole worship would be over there first time. It would be blacked out, and I could just sit in the dark at the altar and just weep. Probably if anybody ever wondered, went through the tissue box, I cried and just balled up tissue everywhere. All right? But I found a place uh, alone right secondly remember you're talking to someone who wants to talk with you right who's eager to spend time with you right who's been waiting since the last time you prayed for you to come back and pray again right yeah there should be reverence but remember he is your friend be honest be humble right third talk plain you're gonna laugh right but in the beginning, I would pray off and on. Like when I say the beginning, I mean like when I first started getting saved. I, man, there wasn't all this NLT and NIV. They were still trying to figure out if that was the devil or not. All right, And that was just like twenty years ago. They were still trying to figure out mm, NIV. That's the devil. It means you know I, I, they had like weird abbreviations for what you know whatever it meant. Right. So all I had was a King James. I grew up you know. Twenty three, twenty four, being saved learning the king james bible still love it today still my favorite bible maybe because i just that's what i learned from um and it was kind of like my first bible so to speak love the king james right well i'm not gonna lie if you read the king james enough you talk in the king james there are some scriptures that when i say john three sixteen, you don't quote in niv or nlt because you've heard it so much in king james that's how you quote it you can't quote it any other way it feels weird right so like that's how i was i'd, I'd go to pray thou lord God, thou most high. Like, I don't talk like that, but it felt proper because that's what I read, right? So, in the beginning, I would like literally like pray in the King James. Like, all of a sudden, I became like Shakespeare speaking in this Elizabethan tone, you know, Thou is Lord, great are thy kingdom. (laughs) Just talk like that. It's crazy, right? (laughs) I don't, I didn't like, as as I grew to know the Lord, it's, and I don't think the Lord ever said it, but like, there was something my spirit said, stop. Goodness, (laughs) Goodness, <laughs> I felt like God said, I don't understand the King James either. <laughs> but literally, man, in my ears, it sounded really Bible-ish, right? And I think my heart was right, but in the end, God knew my heart. He knew that, man, I was just trying. I didn't know any other way. Can I be honest? Nobody ever sat down and said, this is the way you should pray or like, this is how to pray. Most, most of us don't. We take it for granted. We learn it. We teach or preach about praying a lot, but we really don't give like an example of like what it looks like, Right? but talk plain. Hey, Jesus. Like, no kidding. I mean, I've literally said in prayer, like, how was your day? Right? Oh, yeah. It's like every day is your day, right? Because it's like forever. You don't have a a night, you know? And like, I say stuff like that to him. Like, that's dumb, I know, but I'm your kid, dumb kid. I know you love me. Hey, I got to talk to you about this. And I talk just, I really, I talk plain. He understands me just as I am. I think this is the fourth one. Don't worry about the amount of time you spend in prayer. Instead, worry about the things that you want to pray for. Quit worrying about, all right, I spent at least 15 minutes. That's pretty good. That's more than most. No, or I've spent, I've got to to make this hour so I can be holy. You know, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, like I would read his books, and Ravenhill's like this warrior, warrior. Ravenhill's like a preacher ain't worth his paycheck unless he's at least praying three hours a day. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm going to, to be honest with you, I strive for that. I strive for that. Um, I do, but the, the truth is I can't worry about the amount of time I spend in prayer. Instead, I have to worry about the things that I want to pray for, right? So the first thing I do, this is still part of the saying, the first thing I do is I pray for my wife and kids. It might be selfish, it might be whatever it is, but those are the first people I wake up and see every day. So the first people I wake up and see, I have to pastor my home before I can come and pastor you. If I am failing there, I won't succeed here. So I have to be the good husband, the good dad, and the good pastor at my house. I have to make sure that sometimes I take off the dad hat and put on the pastor hat. See, because dad hat gets highly offended. Dad hat uh, can get real angry about boys coming over looking at my daughters. Pastor hat? Pastor hat goes, well, they're boys, and these are girls. That's what boys and girls do. Right. Right. True. Becomes honest. I'm just being honest. Like there are times where I've had to learn to wear both and how to balance that in my house. There are times my wife uh, needs her husband and her boyfriend kind of thing and me for be that guy. And then there's times where she's angry. And I said, you got to let me pass you. Right here, dude, talk, talk to me like I'm your pastor. Not like I'm your husband, like I'm your pastor. Step outside this role for a second and let me pastor you. Let me speak truth and wisdom into you. You're not, see, the husband would say like, you know, that's right. They hurt you and, you know, we hate their guts. That's what the husband would say, right? Uh, that's right. You want me to go to their house right now with a shotgun? I will. Don't lie. act like y'all different. And then, but the pastor goes, you know what? Hurting people hurt people. And, and sometimes these things get said, and, and you have to be better here because God has called you. We can't worry about what other people do. And I have to speak truth and life into her, right? Got to learn when to wear both hats. So the first people I pray about is my wife and my kids. And then I pray for my mom and dad, right? And I pray for my brothers and their wives and their kids. And then I pray for Joy's mom and dad and her sisters and, and all their husbands and their kids. And then I start praying for our missionaries, for, for Pastor Kyle and Janelle Embry and for Jason and Sarah Morris, who are in, they're in Vietnam right now, man. I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures. You need to friend them if you're not friends with them. But see some of the pictures they're posting of Vietnam doing ministry in the communist nation, right? And then I start praying for you. And I start praying for your kids, Right? And then I start praying for all the local churches in Marble Falls. And I start thinking about all the pastors I know, right? Marble Falls and Burnett and Granite Shoals and Kingsland and Lano. And then I start praying for revival and God's will to be done. I want this nation changed. I don't know how. I feel, I, I'll tell God, I feel so insignificant to even pray this, God. But could you? Could you possibly use me like you used the, the small little black man that prayed in the Azusa revival that created the assemblies? Could you use something as small as we are to do something great? Greater, can you find the remnant, God, and bring us together? Right? I pray that over and over, and even our nation. Now, listen, <laughs> some days I make it through all of those. Some days there are people that in the spirit God will place upon my heart to weep over and give some length to prayer time. So, like I might make it past my wife and kids, and I might make it. And I get to somebody in here, and I'm like, oh, the Lord says, man. Like, for whatever reason, the spirit will just dig in and go, oh, my gosh, I need to really weep and really pray and seek after them. Because they need God. They need, man, and I don't know what your issue, I don't know what's going on. God doesn't share me, that's your business, not mine. God doesn't show up to me and go, hey, you want to know their dirty secret? No, God, I don't, because I got my own to worry about. (laughs) Right? So the first, I'm just like, God, place it on my heart so that I can weep for them. So maybe if they're not praying, I'm praying for them, God. Right? Make me like Jesus, who did what? Prayed for his friends. Pray for his friends, right? It's not about making it through the list. Half as much as it's about being genuine in prayer before the Lord concerning his people. Last thing, I pray that God make my heart more like his. Before I close that, land, Lord, just make my heart like yours. That your will be done in my life more than my own. Um, one of the things I heard a guy named Bishop Dale Bronner say one time, he goes... Uh, and I thought it's so great, and it's one of the things I like to say every once in a while in prayer. And, and God knows I'm quoting him, you know, so I don't have to hey, God, I'm quoting Bishop Dale. But I'll, I'll say, Lord, may my life become all that you dreamed it to be, not what I dreamed it to be, God. Lord, I've had many dreams, and I am so glad a lot have not come true. I've had many dreams, but I am so glad they haven't. But what I want, God, more than anything else is that dream that you have for me. For what my life is to become, regardless of how I feel, in stature it belongs. May I become all that you dream for me to be God. Right? Because ultimately, here's what I want. I want to accomplish all that he desires, all that pleases him and glorifies him. That's what I want. At the end of my prayer, that's what I want. There's nothing difficult to any of that. There's no secret formula. This is just what that's what I do. That's how I pray. And you can do that different. That list can be different for you. For me, that's what it looks like. Can I tell you, if we add on missionaries, guess what? I've just got more people to pray about. And can I tell you, i got enough to pray on. But you know what happens is, is I look up over time as I come across those things. And when I get to the end of that, it's amazing how much time has flown by. Listen, no matter what, here's the one thing that I, I have to conquer every day. Let me, let me get that out of the way so you think, oh, man, this brother, he's praying hard through the whole thing. No matter what, I still have to go through the first 10 minutes of crucifying my flesh to get to the Father. The first 10 minutes is, I am tired. Five o'clock is early. I can't even see really good. Like, I'll put my glasses on thinking that's what's going to help, and my eyes are still blurry. Like, And then I'll, like, blink, and they'll be fine. You know, we're just, like, hazed over in the morning because you ain't awake yet. But I'm trying to pray, and I'm like, ah, God, I don't know if I close my eyes. I might just lay out right here on my knees. But I'm trying. Like it's hard in the first ten minutes. That's all I can think about is being selfish. God, my knees hurt. God, I'm old. God, I, got, I mean, I've got a fifty million excuses for the first ten minutes until finally it's like my. It's like the spirit within me. I don't want to say God, but the spirit within me goes, "You done? Can we move on?" And it's like we finally conquered. Like I finally, like the spirit just comes in and he's just nailing it the whole time it's complaining. Oh, I've got this to do and I got this to do and I got this to do and I got this to do. And eventually once he's crucified, right, finally dead, then the spirit comes alive and I'm able to pray to God and seek God and my heart starts to change and I start to weep over people. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm crying. Just crying in the morning. It's like I'm going to get a headache before I even start the day off, you know. And I, I mean, literally, it's like that. It's different. I think the only standards we can preach about prayer is simple, is this. There is no question that we're supposed to have a prayer life. You better have one. The Christian that doesn't pray, can they be a Christian really at all? Just saying. You had to pray to even come to know Christ. You had to pray to Jesus for Jesus to come inside to be with you. You had to pray for all that. Can you really say that you know somebody that you never talked to? I challenge you, can you be a Christian at all if you're not praying? Secondly, there's no question that we will have prayer in private and in public. But let me tell you something, a powerful private prayer life will result in a powerful public prayer life. You ever notice those? Well, maybe some of you hadn't been in the church long enough to see it, but there's some guys, they get up and they just like, say like a three-minute or like a, like a one-minute prayer. It's like nothing, man. And it's like power, man, and just craziness. And, and, and it just seems like, man, that was it. They just gave me a word, man. Why is that? Because they spend hours on their knees before they get up and pray in public. Hours. Jesus is able to heal and pray for everybody and heal the sick. Why? Because he was up all night praying to the Lord. He was praying all night for the task at hand. Some mornings he woke up early. I don't got time to pray all night. I'm tired. I slept. Then I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to pray in the morning so I can get out and conquer the day. But I've got to have prayer. I can't not have prayer and then also live and do the things God is calling me to do. It's just, it's just not possible. Thirdly, there will be some form of intercession in your prayer life. Guaranteed. You have to pray for others. It can't just be about you. Jesus prayed for, the personal, uh, for personal qualities, but he spent quite a bit of time praying for other people. The majority of his ministry is spent pouring himself out for others. More than just handing them water, more than handing them food and creating baskets. More often, he was healing people. More often, he was (coughs) setting uh, people free, casting demons out of people. I'm going to tell you right now, that's spiritual warfare. If you want spiritual power for spiritual warfare, it comes from a powerful prayer life. That's where the power's at. So what does your prayer life look like? That's the question. And now I'm not going to beat any drums tonight. I'm not going to, like, hammer this home. I feel like I've been hammering the last three weeks. Like everybody's been nails, and I've just been beating that, that, that drum. So I'm not going to hammer anybody today. What we are going to do is we're going to sing worship. Uh, Rachel, if you'll get uh, joy, we'll bring the kids back in here. We're going to do a little time of worship. And here's what I'm going to want from you, because we're going to close with prayer. We're going we're gonna to be in prayer over these next few songs. If there's, if there's a time where you want to sit and pray during the songs, that's fine. If you want to kneel and pray. Even better, right? Stand and pray. Whatever you want to do during those two songs, that's great. And then we'll end with a corporate prayer. But you take the time over these next two songs, right, to pray. And whatever God places in your heart to pray for, you pray about. Some of you, man, that might be your.